on uh, guitar and vocals, Jason Cohn, McAllison, McCallison. like the easiest on one bass. to do. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the band's most successful album, selling well, well, fuck, selling well <laughs> over. <laughs> well, eh? Selling well over two. <laughs> Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! Would you buy? Hey, you guys. This is Asinine Radio. This is the big episode. This is the album of the week episode. And uh, we're getting into a good one first. I mean, we're getting into a good album today's, on today's episode. Dude, why can I never nail the intros? Because Ever. I just said intro. First day. Intro. <sighs> I've been doing this for You're so badass. You say intro and stuff like that. <laughs> it's bad. Talk okay, yes, spot. this is Asinine Radio. Go to iTunes, go follow or go rate, review, and subscribe to us there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. Uh, my name is Tyler. Out there in the ether, far away, hundreds of miles ether. away, is Jeff. Uh, yeah, like I said, if you don't know already, we're doing a Sum 41 album and we're doing their album, All Killer No Filler. But before we get into that, we have their album rankings. And if you don't want to listen to that, which I don't know why you wouldn't, there are timestamps in the description if you want to skip just to the album part. So there you go. Uh, let's just jump right into the, our, our rankings of the Sum 41 albums, Jeff. What do you got? Oh, what do you got? Oh, we're, oh. We're including Half Hour of Power. What? So that's eight albums, what? right? Yes, eight albums because we're including Half Hour of Power, even though we realized halfway through the week that Half Hour of Power is actually considered an EP to them. But screw them. It's our pod. We do what you we know, want. You know, Jerry... So I maybe maybe they only consider half hour of power an EP because they wanted all killer no filler to be their debut, and maybe that, that could be maybe it. that was something like a long time ago that was pushed by the record label to get them to drop the half yeah because they power were I don't goofiness. know yeah but was was half hour of power recorded before they had a major label I think so well okay I don't know do you know who knows. I don't know. That's what I just said. I don't know. Well, I said, who knows? Because I don't know. I'm going to look it up. But anyway. Fast. <sighs> okay. I mean, I can do my rankings right now as I'm speaking to you. Then do your rankings. What do you got? Because you always go first. Because no, we were doing the eight hour, albums. Half Hour Power was Def Jam. Island huh? Def Jam music. Oh, okay. So they were signed. Yeah. They were signed to a major label. Even okay. still, I, 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 would even uh, still, I would even still insist that. They wanted to play that down as an EP since there was no bangers, radio-friendly, playable bangers on there. Wow. Okay. Ooh, that was tough to get well, I, th- I think the albums were released within like a year of one another, too. They were released fairly quickly. All right. So maybe that's why. Who knows? Okay. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do this. What do we got? Number worst eight. album by Sum 41. Their worst album, but um, it wasn't it wasn't unlistenable. But my, my least favorite is Order and Decline. This was uh, this was like 13 Voices Deluxe. And hmm. 
there was nothing about this that I just didn't think that 13 Voices did better. Because I kind of liked 13 Voices quite a bit. But the only <laughs> song in here that I kind of liked, and it was only the, the solo, but I really liked the solo in Turning Away. I thought it was a fantastic okay. solo, and it was really weird because the, the song itself isn't like hard or fast or aggressive, but the solo is. And the rhythm guitars behind the solo just they they kind of like go opposites, but they kind of like start in the same place and go into like this huge oval shape and then come together at the end. It's really solid. It's cool. <laughs> I like it. That's my least favorite. It's uh, ordering decline. Ah, oh, wow, that's crazy. A Thirteen voices deluxe. You know, we did thirteen voices on the pod. That's what I was thinking. Like, like it's crazy. It that was like the f- the very beginning of the pod. Yeah, like within the first ten episodes of the pod. Yeah, a long fucking time ago. Can't stand you. It was one of the very early episodes that are long forgotten in the history, in the sands of time. In the ether. In the ether. I don't even. I don't even know what you're singing. In the ether. I don't even know what song that is. Song of the week. The week. I don't. Oh, okay. I remember. All right, go ahead. (sighs) Number eight, man. The worst album. It just sucks, man. It's it's the only album that's not good. And it's Underclass Hero. Oh no, Tyler! That album sucks for you. It's so boring. It's so boring. It's so boring. It's so boring. But if I had to pick a song, it's King of Contradiction. If I had to, if I had to choose one, that would be it. I feel like this is like the end of this is that was the last album with, I think it was the last album with um, Stevo on drums. Dave had been out of the band for years already. So it was just kind of like, to me, this is just Derek Wibley, just Derek Wibley, know, being a, a singer songwriter. That's kind of how I felt this album was. Don't forget about JC. I, did, I didn't really care for that. JC. Yeah, but he's like, he's a bass player. who doesn't really do much, you know? Yeah, but he's like, the, the he's cool solid, guy. but he's, you know, would you call him cool? He's I the cool know. guy. But yeah, that's my number eight, man. It, it's, I don't like the album. Oh, I just don't like it. Okay. That's wrong. Okay, what do you got for number seven? My number seven, <laughs> lucky number seven, is Screaming Bloody Murder. Okay. This okay. one this one also isn't bad. It's not a bad album. The heavy music here, and this one kind of drones on and on for me, and the whole album kind of tries too hard to sound like this epic or anthemic thing. And so just, mm-hmm. it, it bothered me after a while, but... Happiness Machine, I think, is my favorite song. There's a lot of moving parts to it, a lot of different things going on, even though the song as a whole does sound anthemic. <laughs> I don't know why you like that. That's a good one. I, I I, don't know, man. Well, Seven is Screaming Bloody Murder for me as well. I think it's an okay album. Like Half of it's good. The other half is just bad. Uh, but if I had to go with a, a banger, which is barely calling it a banger, is uh, Scumfuck. Just, I wish they would have cut out that kind of like minute long intro, because it gets really good after that. Once it like breaks into like the heaviness, it gets pretty solid from there. So, yeah, Screaming Bloody Murder, man, the two worst albums. After this, the albums get good. Like you got good stuff coming up. It's true for sure. It's true. But these two, I don't know, man. I guess it was just like this weird lull in the band, to where these two albums, for me at least, Underclass Hero and Screaming Bloody Murder, are just meh. I don't know what it is, man. I'm just. I just hope you don't put order and decline above thirteen voices because it's just that's that would just I be. I mean, we'll stupid. see. That would just be dumb. We'll see how that goes, man. That would man. be a mistake on your part. 
I, hey man, I don't make mistakes on the hey pod. That's man. where. Hey man, no. My number six is <laughs> underclass hero. Oh, I'm glad it's this low. Thank you, <laughs> thank you for this. It's but I'm bad. telling it's you, so man, the, the song "Underclass Hero" that sounds like a mashup of Fat Lip and No Reason. If you listen to it, it's the it's both of those songs put together into one. It's is unbelievable. It? I'm telling you, man. I mean, I'll take your word for it because I don't remember. I think I've listened to this album three times ever. I'll try and remind you later on after the pod's over to to listen to it and see what you think. But I'm, dude, that's all I heard when I when I listened to that. But the album isn't terrible. Mm. It's just like a weak, all killer, no filler. Mm. But (sighs) really, that's crazy that you think that. uh, It's too senior songwriter, man. For me, so so long goodbye. Wish there was any fluff, and it was just like that acoustic. Mm-hmm. But um, I think Wibley's Derek Wibley. I like <laughs> how he used that like raspy Chuck voice that he was doing, mm-hmm. and yeah. I dig it over like the acoustic guitar. It could it could have been really gritty, but they just added too many effects and okay, strip it down. All right, man. then well strip number six for me, that might be better. It might be better, but not or barely. But number six for me, uh, I'm throwing. 13 Voices as number six. You're such a beezy. How do you possibly like Order and Decline more than 13 Voices? I mean, 13 Voices is good. It's not a bad record. Uh, but my favorite one off this is uh, is the, the the lead single, the Fake My Own Death. I think that the guitarist on that song, the the only thing I don't really like about that song is like the, the distortion they put on his voice. I, I kind of don't like that, but the song is strong enough to to make up for it. I think it's a solid, solid kind of like metal pop punk song. It's good. It's a great song. Don't you think? Uh, I had a cool video too. I like the video. So it's cool, man. Eight, seven, my number five is 13 voices. And okay. when this came out, Fair when this enough. album came out, we did that on the pod. I didn't like it. I just didn't, I didn't like this. Wasn't a fan of it. I thought like the band was old. They were tired. They seemed lost. They looked like shit. But then after listening to it again this week and and kind of like taking in their their discography as a whole, this is like the opposite. Like this this album is heavy, it's full of energy. They've departed from their signature kind of poppy sound and they've dialed in that metal shit. Positive. But they were doing the metal shit long before thirteen. Absolutely. Voices. But even on Chuck and even on, on Does This Look Infected, there are still like tracks on there that are track like three or four tracks that have nothing to do with it. But 13 Voices yeah. was like completely metal focused. I wouldn't say all metal focused. I wouldn't go that The way. entire album is metal focused with snippets here and there of like maybe like softer metal, easy metal. I mean, it, it's a solid. There's no pop punk on this it's, album whatsoever. It's all metal or soft Yeah, there, there's no pop punk, but there's some of the, the kind of alternate alt rock like things thrown in there as well. But on Chuck, there's pop punk songs. On Does Look Infected, there's pop, on every album prior yeah, to that, okay. there's all pop punk songs. There's nothing wrong with that. I didn't say there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that they've completely... They're acting like they're No, I, this is number five for me. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. I'm just saying that this was a solid album from a, a, a band that I thought were done. We're finished. Kaputs. Well, I mean, that 13 Voices was, was also the album where Dave, the guitar player, had come back to the band. He had rejoined the band on this record. After being out for... He had been out for like 10 years. He's or a metalman, like man. He's, so. a, he's a metalman. 
And it shows. And it's crazy because you can, I mean, I know Derek writes the music, but you could tell the influence that Dave has in the band going from Chuck to 13 Voices because the two albums in between, they're complete, there's like no metal in that, in those album, on those albums. That's why they're so but low But once Dave's back in the band, it's it's weird, man, how much influence the guy has it's he for can, not being the main songwriter. Like, we'll talk about it later in the uh, all killer, no filler thing, but they, they, they bridge that cap right there. They've, they combine the two genres of pop punk and like metal and they do it perfectly. Yeah. And it's, it's fantastic when they do it right. But uh, yeah, my favorite well, song is, for sure. is, is God damn. I'm dead again. Love that song. That's a good one. But I will also say that fake my own death, even though I hated it when it came out, mostly because of the music. video. I hated the music video. I still don't like the music. video. <laughs> it's stupid. But I think I might've hated the music video on the pod, but now looking back, I like it a lot. Did you rewatch it this week? I did. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> It's so stupid did you? still. Yes, it's so <laughs> dumb. But I did put that song on my playlist, so there you go. My number five, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Here we go. Number five for me is Half Hour of Power. Uh, it's. I think it's a cool debut, even though it's technically not their debut record, but I still consider it to be. I liked it from when I first heard it back in like freshman year of high school. Uh, it's. It's fun, man. It's a lot of fun. From start Why to finish, are you putting like putting order of decline so high. I didn't want to put half hour of power this low, but I don't know, man. It's a so, it, half hour of power is solid. Uh, my favorite song is Dave's Possessed Hair. Although I don't really like the end where they're they're chanting what we're all about. I don't really like that part, but the rest of the song makes up for it. So I think that's a solid song and it's a really really fun record, and I highly recommend people checking it out. So there you go. Half Hour Power is number five for me. What do you got for number four? Number four is Chuck for me. Fucking guy, Chucky, dude. Chuck, Chuck. <laughs> You're fucked up, dude. This one went down, too. Like, this used You're to be... fucked up. This used to be, like, my number two, and now it's it's my number four. <sighs> God, um, you're so dumb. I This was, like, the first time we heard their actual heavier direction rather than just more heavy metal guitar licks. There was actually heavier song structures, and it was yeah. good. I liked it a lot. And then they've matured, and but they kind of also served up like this poppy stuff on this album that would that was kind of like whatever's uh, like the good wow, on here is great, just... but everything else is like mediocre. Dude, you're fucking. That's number four. That's that's low, man. That is. I mean, dude, there's three bangers ahead of it. You got fucking <sighs> order and decline in your top four. Are you kidding me? Oh, man, you're nuts. Well, yeah. you're knocking futs. Oh, wait, what's your favorite song off check? The the, the bitter end. I love it because it's got all those pauses and, and like the lead guitar parts. Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic! Yep, fantastic. Solid song, man. Solid songs. Amazing record. Ah, oh, man, I can't believe you put that solo. That's fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my number four. You're unbelievable, man. Number four for me is uh, Order and Decline. Ugh, so, holy. it barely, it barely beat Half Hour of Power. Because I never, I, I I've always liked Order and Decline, uh, since it came out was it last year or two years ago I think it was, always liked it. But something about it this week, <laughs> something about it this week uh, that I just beats out Half Hour of Power, man. I'm sorry to say, but it does. Um, what did you just open? All right, two things. I will put Chuck two spots higher if you tell me what I just opened. Uh, you opened a. Let's see, you opened up a Coors Light or no Bud Light? You opened a Bud Light. Mm. A regular Bud Light. So close. It's actually a canned Bud Light Lime. 
Oh, you fucking cunt. When you said Bud Light, I got super scared, though. Like, my <laughs> heart dropped. Because <laughs> I know you're drinking Bud Lights now instead that's, of Coors Light. That's true. Yeah, <sighs> I'm, I'm, I'm drinking the Bud Lights. Bud Light. Fucking dumb. But yeah, number yeah, Order and Decline, number four for me. I think it's it's much better than 13 Voices, and it's not just like a deluxe version of that. That's stupid. That's a dumb comment It completely to me. is. It is not. Order and Decline is like far superior to... 13 voices like the the jump between 13 voices and then my top five is like huge it's a huge jump in quality of music so yeah my favorite song off this album their their latest record is the people versus i think that is just such a cool song and it, it's technically it's just it's kind of it's kind of complicated and but it still has that like melodic i don't know there's there's a cool melody to it that i like a lot too solid song Solid album. Order and decline number four for me. What do you got for number three? What's your what's in your top three? I, that, I don't even know what to say. That <sighs> having that as number four is it, that's so stupid. That's so. What if dumb. it was my number one? How mad would you be if it was my number one? I, I would. I would probably just fucking exit this podcast and just turn my computer off. I don't because it is my number one. Uh, I, I don't even know what I'm doing right now. What are we on? Number three. <laughs> We're on three. Number yeah. three for what me is got? all killer, no filler. Then what, dude? You what you got for your number you're three? You're out of your fucking mind. You're out of your mind. Number three is all killer, no filler for oh, me as well. Damn, girl. Yeah, but I cannot believe that one of these has made your top two, <laughs> and one and another album has not made your number one. Which one, Chuck? What's your number two? No, let's, my let's my number it. two is Half Hour Power. Dude, that's crazy, man. It's a great record, but number two, that's nuts. This is this is like this checks all of the boxes for what I want in like music. It's fun. Like above yes. all else, I want to have a good time listening to music. I don't want to feel shitty. I have a great time listening to this. It's energetic. Mm-hmm. It's very pop punk. And it's even like fucking really metal and experimental at times. Yeah, it's it's a wonky album, man. There's a lot going on. It's fucking bizarre. It's definitely a band who didn't know what they wanted to do. That, and I think that's kind of what makes it a great debut record, you know? So they did it all. They said, fuck it. We'll didn't do it all. Yeah. And my favorite song <clears throat> is the song Second Chance for Max Headroom. Oh, that was that was almost was my favorite one off that one, too. <laughs> I love that song. Listening to this song, I was just... It's been, like, it's been like decades since I heard this song. Maybe not decades, but decades since I heard this song. I just I, I was listening to it. I was like, holy shit, I forgot there was a ska part in this song. I know. It's like, really what cool. are you doing? This is a third wave ska <laughs> breakdown. What? I think the only time that they've ever done that. Ever. Yeah. And it was so only weird. like 30 seconds. Just it enough. Cool, just enough to get me. Damn, yeah. Half Hour of Power is so fucking good. That's probably that part, that 30 second part is probably, probably the only reason why it ranks so high for you. This album. No. Because that's how big of a knucklehead you are. <laughs> so, yes. <clears throat> All right. So, number uh, two for you is Does Look Infected, and number one for you is Chuck. So, we can continue. Go ahead. So, my number two is actually, if you didn't know, it actually is Does This Look Infected? Yeah. Uh, this, I don't know, man. I've always kind of put this lower on my list on some 41 albums because I never really gave it a proper listen ever. I've always liked it, but never really, I don't know. There's just, I've, when I go to some 41, I've always gone to Chuck or I've gone to all killer. And that was it really. And so I've never given it the proper chance except for this week really. And man, dude, this song, I mean, this album rips. It's so good. 
Yeah, it's their it's best. It's fucking good. It's so good. It's unbelievable. Um, But yeah, the, the song Mystery Amsterdam. I mean, there's so many good songs. Oh, Even the ending of Mystery Amsterdam. It's so good. Like it's oh worth my. the wait. It is. It's well worth And even the end isn't even that long. Like, it's just... Dude, it's so fucking good. That yeah. song is great. And the whole album's good. The singles are great. Uh, like, Still Waiting. Like, the song is so good. That song is amazing. And then the video for that is one of my favorite music videos ever. I mean, Whoa. I mean Will Sasso. Will Sasso does the intro to that. Come on, man. I mean, it's, it's it's a good video, but ever? Dude, it's one of my favorite music videos because of the Will Sasso okay. part. And because of of how well they like mocked other bands of that time period, like the Strokes and and all that shit, like it's it's one of my favorite videos ever. It's so funny. Okay. And Will Sasso is you can't he really can't get much better than than Will it's Sasso. Tr- I mean, I, I agree. I think Will Sasso is probably like top five funniest men on the planet, possibly like ever. Yeah, he's so unbelievably funny. It's like everything everything he does. I, I should say everything he puts out. It's hilarious. It's great. <laughs> okay. Okay, what do you got for number one? My number one, my favorite album by them, their best album, objectively, is Does This Look Infected? Huh? <sighs> no. <laughs> it's just like the the, the difference no. coming from All Killer No Filler and then to this one, it's just, it was like, holy shit, these guys aren't that band but still kind of are that band. They took all of the energy from All Killer No Filler and then just kind of made it deeper, made it harder, made it more mature, but still goofed off. Like they, yeah, they, they goofed absolutely off a lot fucking them. killed it. Like they they took all of the best things from All Killer No Filler and then left the bullshit and just mm-hmm. elevated yeah. it, but still had a great time. And dude, Hell Song is like the best thing they've ever done. That's I don't that's crazy, it's man. So, like, I, it is to me, too. Like I love I love Mr. Amsterdam, but I think like Hell Song is like the best song they've ever done. It, it's just like the nuts. perfect Sum 41 song. It's unbelievably good. <laughs> the, that, I mean, I love the song, and I think the video is great, too, but... And I love like I love Fat Lip. I think Fat Lip is absolutely fantastic, and it's fucking timeless. It should be in like that Library of Congress bullshit, because it's absolutely timeless. <laughs> But Hell Song is like that's like their best song. That's that's wrong. Oh, dang man, that is your number one. Well, if you didn't know already, their best record is honestly Chuck. And the story behind the album, the songs are great. I mean, there are a couple moments where it's just like, ah, like uh, some well, say. You didn't see there were a couple moments on Does This Look Infected, but that's fine. There were, but you know. Chuck is a solid record. There's so many good parts here. And this is the last album they did as the original lineup. And uh, the best song that they've ever written and recorded has been The Better End. That That is a perfect song in every way. I agree. And it's, and it's one of my favorite songs to play on the drums. I think it's, oh my God, it's so much fun to play on the drums. It's every time, Every time song. I play Every time I play, I have to, I I end my I end my 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 personal set list with the bitter end. <laughs> I do it. It's fucking. It's an amazing album. I can't say anything bad about it. Well, I I just did, but yeah, uh, it, it's a great album. Go go check out Chuck. It's a it's a hidden gem of theirs. Like nobody really talks about Chuck. They always talk about their fr- or they always talk about All Killer and Does This Look Infected. They never talk about Chuck. But sometimes some I mean, ones. people don't really talk about Sum Forty One anyway. Well, yeah, but when they do, they don't talk about Chuck. 
it's pretty much all, always all killer, no filler. And mm. did your Derek get out of rehab? That's pretty much all they ever talk about. What'd you just say? Like Derek getting out of rehab. Oh, yeah, that's true. Derek getting clean. <laughs> that's like all they talk about. Derek almost dying, collapsing from too much alcohol. Derek Wibley. Derek Wibley. All right, well, that's it for our rankings. Uh, we're just going to get into the to the main part of the episode, and we're doing the Sum 41 album, All Killer, No Filler. Sum 41 formed in 1999 as a no-effects cover band in Ajax, Ontario, Canada by Derek Wibley on guitar and vocals. Or, I'm sorry, Derek Wibley on guitar, Steve Jokes, Jokes on drums, Richard Roy on bass, and John Marshall on vocals. They currently have seven albums, two EPs, three live albums, one compilation, and have sold several million copies worldwide. The album we're doing today, like I said, is all killer, no filler. It's technically their first record. And it was released May 7th, 20, or 2001. It features Derek Wibley on vocals guitar, Steve Stevo 32 Jokes, Jokes, on Jeez, drums and vocals, please. Dave Brown Sound Baksh on uh, guitar and vocals, Jason Cohn, McCallison, McCallison. Probably the easiest on one bass. to do. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the band's most successful album, selling well, well oh, fuck. Selling well over, <laughs> well, eh? Selling well over two. 
<laughs> Selling well over two million copies worldwide. Woof. Oh, that was that was a rough one. That, that was, was the roughest one yet. That could have been the roughest one yet. That yeah, definitely was. That was well, eh? <sighs> okay, yeah, we're doing some forty one on their 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 album. All killer, no filler. What what are our first impressions on this one, Jeff? What do you got? Um, well, my first impressions are all are Fat Lip, the music video on MTV. That's that was the first time I ever heard of Sum Forty One. I ever saw Sum Forty One. That video I thought was phenomenal. I still think it is phenomenal. I love the video, love that song. And then uh, after that, my love for Sum Forty One tapered into like does this look infected and it wasn't until like a year after i think it wasn't until they released chuck that i got back into does look infected and chuck but then after chuck like I, that was, I just fell off completely and i was like done with some 41 probably until like we started doing the podcast and that's when i went back and listened to all of their other albums but um mm-hmm. man fat lip like that that came out like right when we started like freshman year of high school and just that was fucking like the anthem I know I say this a lot, but like that was like the anthem of our fucking freshman year. It was so good. That song is so fan fucking tastic. It's so all over over the place. There's so much going on. It's great. Yeah. Um. Oh, excuse me, man. Ah, my first impressions, like you, uh, it was Fat Lip, the music video. I probably seen that video, no joke, probably five hundred times. Like it just. My friend, my friends and I, mainly my friend Sean and I, we used to watch that that video over and over and over again. We had it recorded on on a cassette yeah, tape, on a VHS just, with all your favorite yeah, videos. Exactly, that's exactly what we yes. used to do. And and the Sum Forty One was was one of those. And we we learned the dance moves. We did all that fucking shit. It was so stupid and it was so lame, but it just it was so much of that moment in time, and it was so impressionable and. I don't know. I have a lot of fond memories of that song and this album in general. And uh, ex-girlfriend of the pod, Jessica, she her favorite band was Sum 41 for a couple of years because of this album. And she wore the same Sum 41 sweatshirt. I don't know if you remember that. She wore the same sweatshirt every day for like a year and a half. I thought she was like she, a goth kid. She was, but then she, wore, she loved Sum 41. Kids. Well, because she eventually got into AFI and like Korn. But before that, she was a Sum 41 head. Like through and through, she she listened to nothing but their first two records, the Half Hour Power and uh, and All Killer. I mean, she just loved Sum Forty One. It was weird. It was crazy. Dang. But yeah, she wore the hell out of that out of that Sum Forty One sweatshirt. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's my first impression of, of this. And I remember even the Into Deep video too. That was really big Love for me video. too. I watched that video so many times. But then you know, Motivation came next, and they just didn't. It didn't live up to those first two videos, as well as the Pain for Pleasure video, which we're going to talk about in a bit. But yeah, that, that's that's kind of my my first impression and my backstory on that on that album or this album, I should say. Okay, the Welly. So, <laughs> do we have any stinkers on this record? No, there are no stinkers. There's a decent amount of songs that I think are okay, but there are mm-hmm. no stinkers for me. I agree with you. No stinkers. There's one song that I think is just it's it's okay. Just but one? Definitely not a stinker. Yeah, just one. Which one? Other than that, uh, it's um. Oh my god, I'm trying to blank. Oh my god. You think you those fucking uh, notes handle this? Read? Handle this. Handle this. Handle this. It's that song. 
You know what's I weird? Could, I, like I knew that, it started with an H. That song, Handle This, that reminds me of something that would be off of like Cheshire, like Cheshire Cat from Blink. You think so? Yeah, just like the way, like the intro, like the way it goes, I could hear Tom sing like that, that singing part. I don't know. It, it was very chessy for me, but that was like their ballad song on this album. And yeah. And that's kind of why I don't, I didn't really care for it. And I also, I was, I was surprised at how like kind of not deep the lyrics were. I don't know why I thought Derek Wibley was more of like a lyrics, lyricsman, but his stuff is pretty generic, but I guess, you know, he was 18, 19 when he wrote these songs and. What are you gonna really? This album came out when they were when they were twenty one, so it was probably written and recorded in their nineteen twenty phase. Yeah, probably. But I mean, that's that's still young. Now that we're Mm -hmm. older, that's very young. But that's still old enough if you consider like some of the greats in music history, how old they were when they wrote some of their greatest songs. That's still old enough to not write about stupid shit. But maybe it was on purpose. I don't know. Maybe they just didn't give a fuck and they want to just write. Fun music for fun people. Yeah. They wanted to write bangers. Yeah. Banger after that banger yeah. after banger. <clears throat> let's get back um, to let's get back to fat lip. Let's let's that's what let's, I was just let's bang say. this one out. Yeah. Let's kill you it. You want to talk about the video? Do you want to talk about I want to talk, I want to do it all. The weirdness of the song. What do you want to start all, with baby. first though? I want to do it what all. What do you want to start with first? That's let's let's start off with the video. Okay. Because the video I, I, even still today, I've always thought I think Derek Wibley Derek Wibley I think Derek he's just an ugly fucking guy. I think he's very, very... He's not he's an attractive man whatsoever. And he's he's uglier than Norman Reedus. Yeah, he is. He's uglier than Norman Reedus. And you know personally how much I dislike the way Norman Reedus looks. Oh, he's, he's disgusting. He's he looks, so ugly. He's so fucking ugly. Looks like trash. Like, and I don't know why Kojima would ever want him as the main character of any video game. Like that's like an instant turn off to play this game. If I have to look at his ugly face, he's like a train for forty like, hours. Like you, you drive by and you don't want to look, but you have to. Then you can't look away. Yeah, he's such an ugly man. That's his face. <sighs> but but Derek Wilby's <laughs> always been ugly. I've I've just I've never found him like in any way, shape, or form like pleasant to look at. But in this video, like I just I, you almost like like your buddies, you know. Like I felt like yeah. I know him. Like we're chums. Like we're hanging out. And the whole video is just them like jumping around, like they don't ever stop fucking moving. Yeah, like, playing like this, and they're jumping around and playing next to the train tracks. Yeah, like yeah. a bunch of cool guys, and they even do like. <laughs> and then I, I saw, and... I saw. Oh, the dances are great. That's so good. And then I, I saw a thing where um, a couple of years ago, some forty one, they they did like one of those reaction videos of like their old music videos. And I hate shit like that, but I watched it for some reason because I wanted to see how uncomfortable it was. Considering like half the band were not in the band during this era, so I wanted to see the awkwardness, and it was very awkward. Um, but Dave was saying that everybody always thought for years that it was his dad in the music video that dances with them in the liquor store parking lot, but he said it was just some random guy, like if somebody That's somebody they the didn't even know me. was never his dad. Like that yeah, guy so dancing funny. next at liquor store. That's what made the video to me, because like yeah. the whole song is is just like a fuck you to, not necessarily just authority, but even like, like him saying don't count on me. Like he's just like he doesn't give a shit about anybody. Yeah, but it's done in such like a like an adolescent way too, that it's very yeah. charming. But it's just very charming. Like you can never take it seriously. It's just kind of like, I don't know. It's just yeah. I don't it's know. Like I don't know only, how else to explain it. The only constant for them was the fact that they were unreliable. 
<laughs> and that's that's mm-hmm. that's just like that's just I I, just, I love that about this area of the band and like that part when they're dancing with I don't want to say the liquor store owner because I don't know if that guy owns a liquor store but the only like <laughs> clear adults in that video when they're dancing with him in the in the parking lot I know it's a video but he looks so fucking happy he looks like he's having such a good time he's stoked yeah I just happy to be it. there I'd like to have yeah. a good time you know I just want to have a good time yeah. and that's then that like do. that like gutter punk guy who's like. Like fucking around with the cop, he's like doing that thing in his yeah. face, like his hands are up in the air, and he like grabs his crotch. It's like so stupid, and it's so, it's like it's really something like that you would think is really cool when you're in high school, like a freshman or sophomore in high school, thinking, oh yeah, that guy's so cool, he's fucking with cops. But it's looking back, you're like, wow, dude, that guy's an idiot. Like, absolutely, he's so dumb. But ah, man, they knew how to appeal to people in high school and middle school for sure. In my, like, but in like the two, most innocent way. There was two things about the lyrics too to this song that I've always liked. And one was when, when he says Maiden and Priest were the gods that we praised. Even though like I've yeah. never liked those two bands, I've always liked that line because it was just, it's so dumb. Like, oh, like, it's it's such like a childish thing to say. Like, oh, do you believe in God? No, I believe in Maiden and Priest. Like, <laughs> I can see that conversation going back and forth. And it's so stupid, but it's so... I don't know, man. I like that that snotty, shit-eating fucking things that they say like that. I, I, I love that stuff. Love it. It reminds me of the the line from Airheads, where like Lemmy is, where they ask him, um, "Lemmy or God?" And then the guy says, "Lemmy." He's like, "No trick question. Lemmy is God." Like, or he says, exactly "Like, who would you choose?" About. You know what I'm talking about? I, I do. I butchered the line. I butchered they're, the they're line. They're trying. There. They're trying to determine whether or not Harold Ramis is a cop because the cops are trying to send in a cop to infiltrate them and whatever. Yeah. So they ask him two questions. They say, okay, when David or when the Van Halen split, who did you side with the band or fucking David, David Lee Roth David or, Lee Van, Ro- or Sammy Hagar. And he was like, uh, Sammy Hagar. Yeah. And they was like, he's a cop. And he's like, no, 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 no. Try me again. Give me another chance. Like, okay. 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 Last chance. Who would win in a fight? Lemmy or God? Uh, Lemmy, eh, wrong. And they say, God, eh, wrong. Trick question. Lemmy is God. <laughs> and then they say, cop, and they throw him out. And it, yeah. it was a good time. It was a good time. I'm glad you fixed the line because, yeah, I butchered the fuck out of that. But no, that, that's what the, the Maiden and Priest line always reminded me, or Airheads always reminded me of this part because I saw this, or I heard this song before I watched Airheads. But you know, <sighs> like, like as far as music goes, the only people that have never. The only the only fans of a certain genre that have never really cared what people thought about them have been metalheads. Mm-hmm. Over the course of time, since metal has, has has began, since the devil himself begat the metal, metalheads have always looked like shit, and they never cared. Their True. shirts have always and been they don't like unreadable, <laughs> long hair, ugly, usually dirty, but they've never cared. Yeah, it's true. And you know what what I what I think is cooler about the metal community than the punk community is that they don't bitch about anything like they just they just like the music. Like they don't they're not trying to like push any sort of agenda. They're just they're just there for the music and that's it, you know? Yeah. Like they they have nothing to prove. They just like what they like and doesn't hurt anybody. They're just doing their own thing. I love that. And the punk community is yeah, like so like- fucking narrow-minded and tunnel vision i hate it sometimes but it's, it's not just like the punk community right it's it's everybody but the metal community we're talking even like now country stars 
Yeah. Or that's what we call new country pop stars. The entire hip hop community, the entire punk rock community, the entire almost rock community, everybody except for metalheads and metal yeah. metal folk. True. I'm one of the cool ones, that's for sure. Yeah. But yeah, back to Fat Lib, man. There's a lot going on. Just the, the opening guitar riff with that dun 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 dun. It, what a simple little riff. And it sounds so stupid. But for some reason, it just makes you want to jump and it's it just that, all comes together. That riff itself like perfectly kind of encapsulates what some 41 is. First, the palm meter, the doo-doo-doom, that's very like metal-ish kind of riff. Mm-hmm. And then that, eh, that's a very annoying pop-punk kind of high note that <laughs> let ring out just long enough to go back into the metal riff. So like from the get-go, I mean, even though this is their first slash second slash first album, from the get-go, like Sum 41 is already laying the seeds to let us know that they're about to bridge fucking metal and like pop-punk together in a fantastic yeah. way. What a fucking solid song. And then you get into the verses and it's just like the back and forth vocals because you don't know us at all and it's just ah oh man dude it, it's so perfectly orchestrated the the back and forth set there's not really a song out there that orchestrates it that well except for like the beastie boys like they're i would compare that to the beastie boys the verses and most of the song to the beastie boys yeah like 100 percent. so like going backpacking on that beastie boys thing i was also reading that the that the record label def jam also involved in like beastie boys stuff yeah but they would encourage some 41 to just just go crazy like fuck whatever you want up on the stage we'll pick up the tab as long as you record it and they encourage them to just be as crazy as possible and destroy as much stuff mm-hmm. as possible to just fucking do whatever they wanted to do and like for a, a semi major label i don't know how big jeff jam was at the time Jam is a major label no they've they've been major label since the 80s are they owned by somebody? Isn't like, no, it's Def like, Jam. No, it's their own. I don't think eh. they, they might be owned by like Warner now, but who knows? Or Universal, I don't know. But to get that kind of like free pass, a like get out of jail free card, I think is just absolutely unbelievable. And to give it to a bunch of 20 year olds is just, that's Especially a, a bunch of 20 year olds who play pop punk, who don't, <laughs> yeah. who aren't doing hip hop music or anything in that vein, you know? But they it's do a, very, a lot of hip hop elements, thing. right? Like yeah. since half hour of power, that little goofy little beatbox rap thing they did for that Tobey Maguire bullshit movie, yeah, and then even in Fat Lip and there's other songs on here too, and like uh, In Too Deep kind of has like a hip hop vibe to it, but like they do kind of have a little bit of like hip hop elements to them. So I, I couldn't find anything as far as like Steve Jocks is concerned, as, as if he was into hip hop as a child or anything. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just gonna say it and I'm gonna go with it. I'm not gonna change okay. it every other fucking time I say Steve Jocks. We'll call him Steve. That's easier. Yeah, Steve. I couldn't find anything if Steve was into hip hop as like a child because a lot of his drumming kind of goes back and forth between like hip hop to pop punk to metal, and it kind of just circulates in those three genres. Yeah. I feel like. I feel like he was the like he was almost like to me the brainchild of Sum Forty One up until he left up until like Chuck. You know, I feel it. I mean, I know Derek wrote the songs, but. I feel like Steve-O and Dave were the ones who kind of really gave it the the edge or the flair or gave it the character. You know what I mean? I absolutely, I totally agree. That's I, really what I think it was. I think Derek brought to the table like a cheese pizza, like a plain fucking boring <laughs> cheese pizza. And then Steve-O and then Dave added the phenomenal toppings and all of like the seasonings and made that pizza fucking yeah. great. 
But I think that yeah, without exactly. Derek, they wouldn't have really been able to do anything else. And it's also kind of interesting to note too that most of the most almost all of this album was co-written by Derek Wibley and like their their um, Nori, their manager. Yeah, yeah. Who also that was weird? I didn't know that. that who also weird. in the beginning of some forty ones and band startings encouraged Derek to stop playing guitar and focus more on singing and playing like rhythm guitar and thus kind of like pushing their original singer out. Yeah. And I was really trying to like look in to see if I can find how the hell that happened and how that went over with the rest of the band, but I couldn't find like anything on that other than people just reciting that that same line I just gave. But or maybe I mean, that's just Derek was a better singer than the other guy was. But like, su- like within it. like what I've what I've gathered within like months of that happening, the other guy like left the band. Yeah. It just seems like it, it like when bands start, like they're so close knit and they're so reluctant to kind of trust anybody else unless people that are in the band or they've known for decades and decades. And so to take the advice of this guy and switch over lead vocals, which is fine, but then having the the original lead singer leave the band, that just seems so fishing. It seems so weird. And yeah, I, just, it does, I, I don't know. But yeah, and then and then on top of that, you know, immediately getting a a big label backing you, you know, that's so it bizarre. does seem weird. It does seem very strange. And it, I mean, it honestly, some forty one could have been like a plant, you know, a record label, like a record label made band. That's like, what I was thinking. Kind of how like Lincoln, kind of how like Lincoln Park, you know, kind of are. They were kind of made, almost kind of made by a, by a record label. I don't know. Some 41 could be that. Cause I mean, every person at this time had their own character. They all kind of, they had their own persona kind of like blink did as well. They, you know, Mark, Tom and Travis all had their own. They were essentially a boy band. Blink 182 were essentially a boy band, but they played their own instruments. That was it. And, and it's true. But like the things that like they that's, did. That's what I was thinking. Like what if they were kind of pushed by the record label? Cause if you look at like Def Jam, when you think of Def Jam, how many, even how many rock artists do you think of when you when you think of Def Jam? None, right? Like none. Yeah, you don't really think like of fucking it. none. I think they had like Nickelback and Def Jam at some point or something like that. But for the most part, it's 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 mostly like hip hop and R and B artists. Yeah, and so it's super weird that these no name pop punkers from Canada got onto Def Jam and then got this like ticket to do whatever the fuck they wanted to do, or just you know you know. A&R, they, they saw that, you know, pop punk was booming at this time, you know, it was blowing up and they thought, well, let's, let's get a band that we, let's go search for a band, you know, and see what we could find. And if, if we think it's good enough, we'll put it on the label just to jump on this, this hype train of pop punk, that this resurgence of pop punk in the late nineties. I mean, that could have just been that as well. Who knows? I mean, more than likely it was that it was, it was Def Jam recognizing that they're a good pop punk band. So let's just like do that and then throw as much money at it as, as we can to promote them. And that's why they became big. That's more than likely what it was. Cause you even see that nowadays with record labels. They'll, like we were talking about a few weeks ago, like Machine Gun Kelly was one of those artists, like Machine Gun Kelly, Sia, and like a couple of other artists are one of those artists that have been around for like a decade, but nothing's really happened with them. But yet they're constantly like thrown in our faces, but we don't really know we've never really heard anything from them. They're just like always there, like in on social media, they're there, they're there in the media or like just like, like on gossip news sites or shit like that. But like, you can't name one machine gun Kelly song. You can't sing it. You can't sing a Sia song. Like you just can't do it. So I think it's, 
it's that. That's what it is. They just threw a bunch of money at Sum 41, hoping that it would stick. So Def Jam, just like even thinking about it more, because it, I just looked at it too, it, it is owned by UMG now. And so when you think of like Def Jam and UMG as in, in general, they're like none. And, and when I said Nickelback, they are through UMG, not specifically Def Jam. Def Jam was like clearly the subsidiary for their hip hop realm, right? I thought Nickelback was Roadrunner, unless Roadrunner got bought out by by Universal. At, at some point, they were on UMG. I don't know if they've always been on oh, or okay. now started off on there. At some point, they were on UMG. Mm. But it's again, dude, I just don't understand how the fuck some 41 got hooked up with Def Jam. It had to, like, I honestly, I, I think it's just they were jumping on the hype train. It had to have been it. But why was and Def then to Jam release, going like, up to first, Canada? Why not? In Toronto, of all places. Like, okay, so we're there from well, Ajax. Toronto, right outside of Toronto. Well, I mean, Pre- think about it. Toronto, Toronto's, you know, north east coast. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much east coast, fairly close to New York, where Def Jam began. So it's not like they're having to go all the way across the country to. It's not like they're going to Vancouver or some shit like that. Yeah, but it's they're surrounded by the. It's Toronto blocked off by that or huge fucking lake. You can fly over a lake, dude. You can, <laughs> no, you can't. Sail, over a, you can't you can sail over a lake. You can't sail over a fucking lake. You've never sails. flown over a lake? I've never I've flown, flown over a lake, lake in my life. I've flown over like 100 lakes. I've flown over the pond. Uh, I don't anyway, know. Anyway. It doesn't matter. We're talking about how cool Fat, how cool the song Fat yeah, Lip is. Yeah. So a couple other things in Fat Lip that I really like. I like the bridge, that weird kind of they like brings it down, yeah. it, it, it dives straight straight into the pop punk, right? And then it's, <laughs> it ends it with the what? That like weird shrill, snotty mm-hmm. like yellish thing that he's got going on. Mm-hmm. But even that is very like metal, right? So even after listening to a bunch of like Metallica, and the beginning of Battery. Like that's got kind of roots. That that's what the fat lip breakdown part kind of had roots in like that battery part in Metallica. To an extent. Similar. To an extent. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. And like what we were talking about lyrically too, it's just they're talking about what they like and what they do and it's so innocent and it's so kind of dumb and charming. It's adorable, some might say. Totes. Yeah. So that that's fat lip. Man, we really Pick that one up and ran with it. Oh, and the last one too is in the chorus. They don't. They're not just like straight up playing just normal, kind of like a, like a three chord chorus. They're moving up and down on the fretboard a lot. I think there's mm-hmm. there's like four or five or even like six different like chord changes in the chorus alone, which I always appreciate. I always like that. I always dig it. Yeah, it's not it's not typical of the genre for sure. It's it's almost like kind of offspring esque. Yes, kind of their, their core progression. So good. Yeah, so they do well. it really well, and I, I hear that somewhat on, especially this record, but on some other records too. You kind of get that that kind of chord progression that's similar to the Offspring. But there you go, Fat Lip Man. Fuck, we got a lot to do. Woo. Got a lot to talk about still. Okay. Uh, Jerry Finn though, Jerry Finn produced this record. The legendary yeah. Jerry Finn. You know yep. he's worked with acts like you know. Blink One Eighty Two, of Blink course. Worked, worked very close. Worked very closely with Tom DeLonge for many years. Uh, did a Tiger Army record. And he's done. A, he's done a lot of shit. A lot of stuff. A lot of good shit. Not a lot of bad shit, but a lot of good shit. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. What else? What else we got? 
But again, even like that Jerry Finn thing, right? So he he produced this album, but prior to this, the Half Hour Power that was produced by their by that guy Greg Nori. Mm-hmm. And then the album after this one, Does It Look Infected, that was also produced by Greg Nori. And then the album after that, Chuck, that was produced by Greg Nori. So why why did All Killer No Filler only get this hot, this tip top producer going on there? Like I said, dude, it's probably because weird. Def Jam were on the hype train, the pop up hype hype train, and they saw how well Enema of the State did, and thought, let's get Jerry Finn in because he fucking transformed this. That he elevated Blink One Eighty Two. That's really what it was, because Enema sounds nothing like Dude Ranch. It's very very different, and it's not just the drums. Just every sonically, everything, the songwriting, it's it's wildly different. And I think that's what it was. They saw that he can make a good pop punk record, so let's get him on board. Maybe. And that's why he's on this record. Maybe. That's, that's my Maybe my they it. just put this band together like we could possibly have thought. On Does It Look Infected, they also hire a bunch of well-known mixers like Andy Wallace, as long yeah. as, as well as Tom Lord, Lord Alge, whatever mm-hmm. the fuck his name is. So it's just weird that they, that Sum Forty One's getting all this like hype. I mean, they're good. I like them. They're a great band. They're they're good. It's just like really, if you guys have this much help. Well, it's kind of like Avril Lavigne. You know, it's they saw that the she alternative, was never this good. No, but what I'm saying, it was the same idea. You know, they they saw that she was selling a lot of records. So let's continue on with this kind of this alternate alternative kind of punk i put that in scare quotes punk style of music you know and when it's where it's really not like dangerous or or quote-unquote punk but you can lead people to you could lead people to believe that kind of like good charlotte was the same way too the way they pushed good charlotte was the but exact you, same but way. you still gotta be good and avril lavigne has never been some 41 well neither, neither was good charlotte but they still blew up you know true good charlotte had one they didn't good have any song. good albums. They had one good song, yes. Which one? But no good albums. What? Wh- which song was? Do you think it was really good? The, you're gonna kill me for this one, but what is the what is that one? The anthem? No, the other one off that record. Lifestyles? No, the other one. The girls like. Oh, the girls. Cars, but girls wait, don't like that? boys. Girls like cars and money. Cars and money. Yeah, that's the only. Song that's like the what? It's such a bad song, though. It's so bad. But I love I it. I don't want to talk. That's just uh, that's <laughs> it's such mad. a bad song, but I love it. That's just stupid. It's very stupid. Yeah. Oh no! And then also the song from their first record, the um, the little thing song. That's a good song. Tyler, Tyler, Tyler. Uh, anyway, let's, let's, let, let's get on. Let's get into a different song. Then. Let's get into into deep. Okay. <laughs> we didn't even get into our our bangers. I mean, right? some for I mean, Fat Lip is my favorite song off this album. Really? Yeah. Okay. It's just, it's timeless for me. It's absolutely timeless. It, it's not only nostalgic, but it's 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 a good song. Objectively, it's a good song. Like, I mean, I, it's top three. Yeah. I can't think of like any person or any genre of music that wouldn't listen to the song and, and say like, oh, that song's fucking sucks. Like it's, it's good. It's just a good song. Mm-hmm. It is. I love it. But, it's top um, three for sure. Other bangers for me. Originally, like list some bangers here. Yeah, why not? We'll okay. play a couple bangers because before we get into another single, let's let, let's get into a couple bangers. Some, some deep cut bangers. Yeah, some deep cut bangers. Uh, Nothing on my back. I think that's a banger. Ooh, that's a good one. Never wake up. That's a banger. Short and sweet. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Into Deep is a banger. Summer, I think, is a banger. Yeah. And then Heart Attack and Painful Pleasure, banger, banger. Banger, banger. I mean, to me, Nothing on My Back, Fat Lip, Summer, definitely. Summer is my favorite song on this album. Summer and then closely followed by Fat Lip. But should we just, let's get into Summer first. Okay. Should we play it and then talk about it or do we want to talk about it first? What I mean, you whatever you want to do. This is just like a, even, uh, I know it's called Summer, but it it's a good summer song. It is. It's really good. <laughs> it's and I have like a lot of bizarre. memories attached to the song too. Yeah, it's. It has a vibe to it for sure. So here's, and uh, here's, I know what the vibe what? is. I'll tell you before you play it. Okay, to what they, tell me. This song is like fucking Phoenix TX. That's what this no. song sounds like. Yes. No. This song sounds like Phoenix TX even prior to that when they were River Phoenix. Like this is what it sounds like and that's why I like this so much because Phoenix TX would always be like the summer band. Talk about surfing because all the time. this song is better than any song from oh. Phoenix TX. It's the truth. Anyway, so here's uh, here's Summer by Sum 41. line always gets stuck in my head what? it's not in what you do it's uh, more in what you say i don't know why it's so catchy because it's so line, basic and stupid it is and it doesn't even really make that much sense but it's it gets me every time it's like a like a 15 year old trying to be deep <laughs> exactly <laughs> i mean the song lyrically is just to me it was just about a failing relationship and how she's kind of changing and he's staying the same he even says that you yeah. know, it's just, it's a really straightforward, like, breakup song. Or, like, failing relationship kind of song. Man, you are crazy if you think that music doesn't hear, doesn't sound like fucking Phoenix TX. I mean, maybe a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, it's, I'm like, not identical. As, I'm not as big of a Phoenix man as you are, but <laughs> Phoenix it's just, it's better than Phoenix TX. Um, It's better than a lot of Phoenix TX, yes. It's better than all of Phoenix TX. Yo, come on, Tyler. Now you're just being now you're just being confrontational. <laughs> no, but it's true. Uh, I don't know what, what else you want to say about this song. I, I think like I, 
I love the the dun, 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 it's it's a really weird kind of not a weird chord progression, but it's it's kind of choppy, but still very catchy. This is one of those songs where the entire song is better than the chorus. Because yeah. the chorus the chorus is just fun, it's iconic. Like you said, it's it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense and it's fun to sing along to. But like everything else, but like everything else in the song itself <laughs> is absolutely fantastic. Those weird kind of like normal like what other band does that really well? I can't even fucking think of a band know. that does like like drop guitar chord progression thing really quick. Except for Phoenix TX. Fuck. <laughs> Damn it. You're wrong, dude. They so like Phoenix TX do a lot of the tricks that are done in summer, they do it like on every single one of their songs. And maybe that's why I like Summer so much is because I do I do like my Phoenix TX quite a bit. Yeah. But, I don't know, but what, what came first? Summer or Phoenix, Phoenix TX came TX? first. But Summer was on this is a this song was re recorded for this album. It was originally on Half Hour of Power. Well Phoenix TX started a band in like the mid nineties, so yeah. Oh well some forty one wrote this in like nineteen eighty eight. Okay. So got him. Got him. <laughs> I'm kidding. They didn't do that. That's stupid. That was a dumb thing to say, Tyler. Dumb. Everything you say is dumb, but I don't know why you picked apart that one. I don't know. What about um? <laughs> okay, so what about Crazy Amanda Bunkface? Do you think that's a banger? Or is that just? Okay? I think it's a banger, dude. Really? It's a total banger. I like that song a lot. Okay. Yeah, it's good. All All she's got is better, but it's still good. I think you like all she's got just because it's a it's a fast song, right? Well, yeah. They, Never yeah, really they, slows down. Never stops. Yeah. Aside from great. the Believe here, part. It's so good. Believe yeah. here. <laughs> Does he do that? <laughs> yeah, it's like the chorus. Believe her, but it sounds like. Believe oh here. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I know what you're talking. About. That's right. That's a banger. <sighs> yeah, uh, honestly, man, the only the only song that that's subpar to me is "Handle This," but other than that, man, it's yeah. solid. Every song is solid. Uh, what about uh, heart let's attack? Get in, you like heart attack? Heart attack's good. It's you think it's gonna be like a slow song because with that that clean guitar at Fake the beginning. Yeah. It does. It really does fake you, but it it picks up, okay. picks up real well. But you know, this is another song too that kind of piggybacks on like a good half of the record, or just kind of ends the good half of the record, or a good half of the record by them just talking about you know they they lack no motivation, they don't care, nobody cares what they have to say or do. So what's the point of even trying? That's really what this song is about, and the song motivation is straight up about that as well. Yeah, just, speaking Derek of, just doesn't have any confidence in himself. Is it That's like, it is. is it a lack of confidence or is it just like he just doesn't like care? Because even at this or point, like you, like you know, they're they're heavily into like the party scene. And yeah, s- they s- are. And so like, there's no way, I mean, obviously I have no idea what the fuck these people feel, but I just feel like when you're surrounded by people constantly telling you you're great, you're great, and then the record label is just throwing money at you for some reason. You don't know why. You're just yeah. making music. I just, I, I don't know, man. Like, the confidence level. People are different. Again, I don't know. But I just, I, I feel like, again, I don't fucking know this band. This band is, <laughs> I'm getting, like, offspringed here. I have no idea. Yeah, you you don't know if they're they're real or not. What are they doing? Like, I, It's not really, like, a self-aware thing like the offspring are, but... You just don't know how authentic they are. Yes. Now I'm questioning yeah. like everything I've known about Sum 41. I don't know. I don't know. Hearing hearing at least like Dave and Steve-O talk, they sound genuine, but Derek does. He Every interview I've heard him in, he never sounds genuine. Like it sounds very, very um like. Like scripted. 
very very scripted but dave and steve-o have personalities and they look like they like to have fun and they seem very very authentic even i like in, dave in a whole, lot dave is so cool even in the whole pain for pleasure stuff right the, the yeah. two videos that were kind of put out Derek never says anything never and like why is that is is like is that him trying to just let other everybody else in the video do their thing or does he fucking hate doing this so much that he doesn't want to say anything? Do you think it's stupid? Like, I, don't I think want... it's because he he can't he can't speak in an accent. That's uh, what it is. Well, the other <laughs> I really the, think uh, so. fucking uh, Jason couldn't speak in an accent, so he, they just had, they told they they said that his larynx he barfed out his larynx. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but then in the second one he he does and he tries to do an accent, but it's really really <laughs> so bad. He, so he does it all raspy <laughs> and shitty. <laughs> oh yeah, girl. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those videos are so dope. Ah, oh, man, we got quite a bit to, to go here. How about okay, we, so a couple of interesting things that I that I was reading about? Mm-hmm. Um, this album sold a lot, like a lot, a lot. And then yeah. I was wondering, I wonder, like, just because in my, I don't know, when, whenever I was doing this research, I just wasn't thinking deeply. I was just googling stuff. And so I said, I wonder if like they're in like the top ten best selling Canadian artists of all time because they sold a lot of albums. I don't know. I think they're the most. And so I googled it, and here are some other Canadian artists that that have sold more um, than them. You ready? I know one of them. Who? I, I think. Wait, I think I can name the number one. Who? Celine Dion. Yeah. Knew it. Celine okay. Dion, Shania Twain, The Beebs, Michael mm. Bublé, Sarah McLachlan, Nickelback. Like these are heavy hitters. Yeah, and here I am thinking like, "Ooh, some forty-one, maybe the top-selling Canadian <laughs> artist, like idiot." <laughs> and I, I read Celine Dion. I was like, "Oh fuck, this is not going to go over well." <laughs> we're we're so stuck in our bubble. I know that we cannot, we just cannot survive. I don't even know Schneider Twain was Canadian. I was going to say that too. I, I had no make that idea. Had that no was like idea. the biggest. Like I was blown away. I had I no think, idea. I think even somebody like Carly Rae Jepsen is more popular than some 41 ever was <laughs> honestly i think she is oh poor guys also in 2013 buzzfeed included uh this album all killer no filler in their like top albums you need to hear before you die and they included it as number four that's weird yeah do you know what the number three two one was uh corn uh is that know, is that your corn. honest answer? Is that you no. fucking corn? <laughs> like what what are the parameters here? Like what just just think if if somebody's putting like all killer no filler as number four. Oh, so it has albums, to be like all pop punk, right? Clearly it's gonna be pop punk. So Dookie, Enema of the State, um uh Americana <laughs> or Smash. So Dookie's number one. Or no, Dookie's okay. number two, Enema of the State's number one, and number three <laughs> for them was Dude Ranch. What? What's <laughs> so bizarre? Oh, I hate BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed's <laughs> awful. They've been doing stupid shit since thirteen, at least. Oh God! I thought those two things were funny. So dumb. Let, let's get into the um to the shortest song on the album, and that's uh "Never Wake Up." Uh, I think it's fun, man. It's a, what like forty nine seconds or forty eight seconds. Yeah, this one's definitely more punk than pop, and yeah. It's, it's like the most punk song on the album. And I like how it kind of like kind of piggybacks on the fr- on the first essentially the first song, the Nothing on My Back, which I think is an absolute fucking banger. Uh actually I do want to play Nothing on My Back cuz I love that song. But it like lyrically it piggybacks off of that. You know, it just like you kind of to me I feel like this is the only part of the album where 
you see him actually kind of being sincere lyrically and you kind of see like his his progression into depression oh that rhymed Ooh, progression into Fuck depression yeah. you're like sage that francis cool, over man. here that was cool that i'm like really impressed with myself write it down <laughs> but yeah his progression into depression i can't even say it so i cool. fucked it up i know but it's still cool but no it, it, lyrically i feel like you, you kind of get that going through going, going from nothing on my back to never wake up and then you and then it just they kind of bring it back up to the poppiness of fat lip you know just kind of like don't give a fuck I agree. I think the placement of this in between nothing on my back and fat lip is absolutely perfect. Cause yeah. that chorus of nothing on my back, that chorus is like bounces along and it's such a fun, fun, it's like one of the most fun choruses on the entire album. Yeah. Oh, it totally is. Oh, little drinky drink. I know a little drinky drink, drink y'all drink. Uh, let's play a little bit of nothing on my back because you know, we, we've been talking too much about the pop, the popular stuff. So here we go. Nothing on my back from some 41. Nothing on my back. This part's good though too, huh? That bridge is something oh, so good. It's, it's straight out of Insomniac. Three I was thinking, dude. I was thinking like that was like the Welcome to Paradise bridge, like the same fucking thing. I mean, that's a good comparison to Welcome to Paradise, it's, but like straight up Green Day, right? That was yeah, it's Green Day. That was their ode to Green Day. But I feel like it was it was like heavier, so I associate more associate it more with Insomniac than than Welcome to Paradise. But still fucking killer song man that i don't know that might be my favorite now i don't know I agree. summer's I so mean, good though summer's so good summer's like definitely not my top 
maybe my my top three, but it's not my top two. It's like fat lips, summer, and nothing on my back are always like being juggled. Like I can't decide which one I like more than the other. It's like when I hear one of them, I think, okay, this is my favorite. And then I listen to the other one. I think, no, this is better. I just, I can't do it. Can't pick like a for definitive me, summer, top three. Summer takes like, for me, fat lip immediately. I love it. Nothing on my back. It takes like a couple seconds and then I'm like into it immediately. Summer, I have to listen to the whole song first and then I can kind of, it, it goes up on my list a little bit. It's not like okay. an immediate thing for me. Like Fat Lip is Fat Lip's like instantaneous. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess so. But then the parts in in the other two are so good that I don't know. I just don't know. What makes I his band like do it. like what elevates his band for me are the little nuances they do. Like you always hear little shouts from all mm-hmm. the other members in random areas, random choruses, random verses, things like that. You hear these little like pick slides from Dave. And then you hear like these little like palm muted strums, like you know what I mean, like like the the chuk, yeah. chuk, like those things. Oh, you love the chuk, chuk. dude! Oh my god, I, I can't get enough. I eat them up for dinner. I can't get enough of them. They're so good. <laughs> You've always <laughs> been about I, the chuk, chuk. I'm dead serious. Like I fucking love that so much. It like it sends tingles down my spine. Cannot, <laughs> I don't, oh, you love the the chuk, chukas in the guitar. And you love the chicka chickas in the drums too. I know that. My favorite chicka chickas is from the Toy Page era when they're doing the online songs, right? Oh yeah. And but that's yeah. a fast chicka chicka. Yeah. That's a very fast chicka chicka. Yeah. Oh my god, dude, I love the chicka chickas. That's that's <sighs> what they shall forget. Wow, that's what they shall forever be known as the chicka chickas. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, that's great. I'm, that's, I'm getting too excited here. I can tell, man. Let's get into uh, the the song I do want to end with is "Pain for Pleasure" because there's a lot to unpack there. Um, do we want to talk about anything else before we round it out with pain? I don't know. We mentioned it in, in too deep, right? That's a oh that yeah, was yeah. A, it, that was a single, yeah, a right. video. The video was awesome. the The song is, is phenomenal. Yes, I want to get into that as well as but, the um, um, the Spider Man song too. But continue. Uh, okay, so. <laughs> In Too Deep, I like the solo there, and I've never, like, until I started really, like, getting into music and listening to music and kind of, like, diving deeper into it, I always thought the guitar solo here was just kind of like, oh, that was a fun guitar solo. I guess he can just throw that in there real quick and and be done with it. Because to somebody Mm -hmm. who's not, like, really listening to it, it's just like a, it's like a quick little, we're done. But it's like, it's a fucking solid guitar solo. It is. It's very, very technical. It's very, very difficult, and it's fucking awesome. And it's very tasteful to the song, you know. He doesn't; it doesn't sound just like normal winking. It's short enough to where it's not winking, but it it accents the rest of the song really, really well. And then just he finishes up the solo, and you hear the dun dun dun. It's just kind of the way they bring everything else back into it after the solo right. is really good too. Bleeds you know, right back in. It does. It's a really, really well placed and well done solo. I think it's solid. And like you and said, then, technically, it's pretty great too. And in the music video, he rises out of a swimming pool while playing yeah. it on the guitar. And that's fucking <laughs> awesome. It is really cool. It's a cool video, too. It's it's a dumb video, I should say. It is. It's a, just, very, it's a very like early 2000s video. Yeah, the very the bright colors, the kind of just um, kind of how goofy everybody and everything is in it is very, very, very late 90s, early 2000s for sure. 
the crowd is just standing in a circle around the band yeah. while they play, and then everyone's just while they play bouncing and, along in a pool. In a pool, yeah, and then just the the diving part of it—it's so dumb. What a like <laughs> when when you're thinking of music videos, what a dumb concept. You really <laughs> think about it, a dumb concept to a video, but it worked. Oh, and then and then Dave was the one who slip and slides off of the high dive. That's right. Yeah, remember <laughs> he puts the slip yeah. and slide off the high dive. That's so <laughs> awesome. Uh, see, I always I kind of go back and forth too, like who my favorite member is, and it's always between Dave and and Steve-O. Like, yeah, me too. Like when it comes to pain for pleasure, Steve-O's easily my favorite part. But everything else, I think, Dave is my favorite. I don't know. They're both so funny and they're both so ridiculous. I love it. I also like Great Guys. Too Deep. I'm, I'm back to the song, too. I like yeah, the, 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 the lackadaisical flow during the chorus. How everything's just really kind of like swaying back and forth and the guitar is yeah. just kind of... Just kind of going back and forth like they're tired or lazy or some shit like that. It's very basic and very meh. It's very kind of like swingy. And then the way Steve O plays, like he goes that, da, 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 like that kind of like that roll or that, what am I trying to say right now? Not the roll. And I don't know what you, I mean, I don't, I don't know what to, how to explain it, but he does it a lot. Where yeah, he does like, like these da, weird. Da, 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 and then it goes into the, the I'm in too deep. Yeah. Like it's just a really good, tran- really good seamless transition between the choruses and the verse and on all that kind of stuff. It's a well-written song. Very well-written song. And so... Pain for pleasure? <sighs> Dude, let's do it. I do want to play the song because we have to talk about the music video. We have to talk about the history of Pain for Pleasure. Um, but then I also... I, I dug up something from the archives. Something that Jeff, I don't think, has ever heard in his whole life. But friends of the pod, especially one particular friend of the pod, Kevin, he uh, he used to play drums for a band called Frostbite. Do you remember that? Yeah. Back in like freshman year of high school. That was the only well, CD I had from the Kevin Brian Moore area, era. <laughs> the era. So they had a song called Some Metal Nerve. And so what it was was it was them playing pain, the Pain for Pleasure song, but Brian made up his own lyrics and kind of did his own thing. And it's really shitty quality, but it's it's kind of fun because we were like because they were like fourteen, we were all fourteen, you know, and we all kind of like thought, oh, our friends are in a band. They started a band, and the, like everything they do is so amazing. When in actuality, it wasn't. But <laughs> <laughs> I just I want to I want to play this. Harsh. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, eventually, what what they were doing like after this was actually kind of really good. Actually, I will say. I, I I would say like Eternal Requiem was like the best band to come out of Esperanza while we were there, you know. Whoa! What about they Five were, Star? They Hero? were solid. No five. No fuck that. Then Azalea was good. <laughs> Azalea was good. Bronco Tatanka was good. Um, oh, Bronco Tatanka, that was a good one. They were good too. They were fun. But I mean, Eternal Requiem were good too. But this is this is far before that. I, I can never say that word right too. But um, but yeah, here's um, here's Friends of the Pod. Kevin and uh, and Brian and then Brian's cousin Aaron doing their version of Pain for Pleasure. This song's called Some Metal Nerve. <laughs> Thank you. 
I don't know, man. For a couple of like fourteen year old kids. For a couple of fourteen year olds. <laughs> who had no idea what they were doing. Kinda stupid, but fun. I mean the drums were fine. Yeah, Kevin's drumming was was cool. Yeah. But there you go. Frostbite. <laughs> Never forget. Never forget Frostbite. Anyway, back to Pain for Pleasure. I, I don't know why. I just I forgot about that until this week. I'm like, oh fuck, they totally did that. And I thought and I remember thinking how cool it was back when I was like fourteen that my friends were doing that song. But anyway, here's the uh the actual version of Pain for Pleasure and then we'll get into it. You got to get the whole thing in there, you know? It's That is like a perfect song right there. Perfect song. You cannot get better than that. Even if you added a solo. I, I agree. I think it's fantastic. I, it doesn't even uh, need a solo. Like it's, like every, everything it about it is like pays, pays tribute to like what they all love in music. And the videos I've seen, Derek plays drums in the earlier days of Pain for Pleasure. Yeah, before Steve-O left the band... Uh, he he would play drums on it. Steve-O would sing, and then David played guitar, and Cone would play bass. Obviously, but so yeah, I, so, so Steve would switch it up. I feel like Der- again, like Derek is the one that just didn't care a whole lot about it, as it was no, more it of like the Steve-O like and Dave thing. Yeah, and that's why it's like and, the last song on the album. But the music video is fantastic, and sometimes on MTV, I don't even remember like back in the day, they would like. They would play the Pain for Pleasure video immediately after Fat Lip. Yeah, they would. Sometimes. Yeah, only sometimes. It depends on what show you're watching. Like if you're watching late night or early morning MTV, they would show they would show the rap part where they're rapping in the liquor store. Yeah. And then that would store. bleed into the Fat Lip the, li- the the Fat Lip video and then it would go into Pain for Pleasure. Like it would you remember like the end of the Pain for Pleasure or the end of Fat Lip video would kind of like fade out and then it would have like that that dreamy sequence that would come yeah. up. And yep. that would be Pain for Pleasure, the Pain for Pleasure video. Yeah, it was, it was, gr- perfect, it was fucking great. Perfect six minutes of my life. 
it is and then it's it's funny because like they just kind of like threw on the wigs and the clothes and then they just played in front of the same crowd that they played in front of in the fat lip video like they just didn't <laughs> yeah. give a shit ah uh, they, they were so it was so good it was so dumb and so silly i loved it i still love it and then they even made I remember, okay, so I got Does This Look Infected. I got that that CD when it came out. And on that with that CD, it came with a DVD. And on, on that, it had all the music videos from prior to that record. And I think like Still Witty might have been on it. But then it had the, the tour documentary of Pain for Pleasure. And that was the 10-minute video that I sent you on YouTube. Yeah. It, it was on the DVD for Does This Look Infected. And it's it just shows the, the hit, kind of the history of Pain for Pleasure and the whole fictional story it it's really stupid and then but it was a lot of fun and and funny and just very much of that that era of like videos and just kind of how dumb people were at the time you know what i mean sure I that know. was it was just like it was just a fun time to be a kid yeah back when was, like toys r us was in its heyday and you had like the shopping <laughs> spree on nickelodeon like it was just a fun time to be a kid and then some 41 reminded us that hey man just be a kid just like enjoy yourself live life don't be afraid to go outside and shit like that <laughs> but then times but, but also the painful pleasure thing was a little bit more adult with the drinking and the sex and all that stuff well it was a complete ripoff of spinal tap right that oh gets, absolutely it was 100 percent yeah a rip off of that but that's kind of what made it fun and cheesy and, and stupid but, at the same time. Exactly. It was this era's Spinal Tap. I mean, Spinal Tap came out with like the 70s or the 80s, early 80s? The 80s. 80s. It was the 80s, yeah. It was 84. Yeah, like that, that was this era's Spinal Tap. And like it was <laughs> 10 perfect. minutes. That's all I needed. It was really the, the, good. The, like it, it only needed one scene, and that was Steve-O drinking, or no, eating his cornflakes <laughs> with pouring Jack into the, it. <laughs> Like that's all it needed to do. Yeah. Like that one fucking scene just summed up the entire video, and it was so fucking gross and funny at the same time. <laughs> and like you were saying, like Derek doesn't doesn't talk at all in the the documentary. He just and they they attribute that to because he got his larynx ripped out, so he can no longer <laughs> talk. And then Cone, they found him. They they got him to join the band because they found him in like a whorehouse, like as a crossdresser, and. And then it, it like cuts to a video of like Stevo like taking him from behind, and they both get caught. Oh, yeah. It's just like Walks it's so it. yeah, like the gay panic in it and this this document, this fake documentary, is very much of that era too of like the Blink and because Blink did a lot of the gay panic stuff too. A lot of bands did at the time, like especially pop punk. But oh, man, it was it, there. Definitely parts were funny, and then you know Stevo's name in Pain for Pleasure was Pain. And then Dave's name was Pain. Pleasure. Yeah. They, and just and they all talked with these weird, like, almost Scottish accents. Like, it was super yeah, it was thick like, and <laughs> <laughs> it made no it was sense. Really, it's really goofy. And I, I think every, I mean, if you like some 41 and if you haven't seen it, just go watch it. it. It's 10 minutes. And even if you aren't, just go watch it anyway. It's still fun. It, I don't know. It's so innocent and kind of dumb and of its time. I like it a lot. But then... What they did was they went back in 2017, long after Steve-O had left the band, and they could because at the end of the documentary, Pain or Steve-O dies uh, after their first show ever, first and only show ever, he dies, and then in 2017 they reunited the band, but they recruited Taint as the new singer, and then uh, what was his name? Dildo was the new drummer. Mr. Dildo. 
Mr. Dildo, yeah. And so they made like another 10-minute documentary. And it was just, it's so goofy. It's great, though. That was... Not not as funny like that, as the original, that, but it was still good. That second documentary made me think that Steve-O leaving Sum 41 was on good terms because they kept referencing him, especially Dave, and he kept just saying, like, I don't know where it happened to him. I think he died. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, like, but the fact that they kept, like, bringing that up and they, they kept talking about him and they talked about how they replaced him and the fact that they mm-hmm. did all of this, which is probably... Steve-O's like mastermind and his his brainchild like the fact that yeah. they, they even did all this is maybe think like he left on good terms right I think so too yeah I really think so and yeah I I think you're right on that one I was gonna say now, something but I completely lost my train of thought now he's a realtor in Palm Springs so you're looking to buy a house in the Palm Springs area give him a call get into it man go follow him on Instagram too he constantly talks about him selling houses and how houses are in escrow. It's great. And then <laughs> f- Jeff even found his profile on like realtors.com or something. Or what did you find yeah, it on? I, I don't remember what it was, but it was from, I think it's from like Pearson Realty. I don't know why we're plugging the fucking realty group that has no affiliation with us whatsoever. But whatever his, his realty group is, Steve-o. he has his own personal profile. Connection. And it's very, as I told Tyler, it's very, it's professionally unprofessional. It's yes, full exactly. of like jokes and it's set up professionally and his picture is very professional. He's in a tie, he's not a suit on, he's clean cut, looks good, he's clearly showered, but <laughs> the answers to like the questions that are being asked are very like Steve-O from Sum 41. Yeah, they're kind of, they're, they're goofy. And you know, he's really good friends with Josh Freeze too. So there's your connection. He, he also, also plays with the Vandals. The, right, yes. He toured no, with he the does. Vandals multiple times. Yeah, he played with them. He played with the Vandals last year. I think it was last year. Maybe not even then. But they, they went to go. The Vandals played like two or three shows in Hawaii uh, last year. And uh, and Josh Reese couldn't make it because he was on tour with Sting. So Steve-O got on board and played those shows. And he's he's usually, besides, after Brooks, Wackerman, Steve-O's like the next in line for the Vandals drummer. You know, like if Josh can't do it, Brooks does it. If Brooks can't do it, then Steve-O does it. That's pretty much how it is. That's awesome. Nowadays, at least. Yeah. So I, I think Steve-O also played with the Vandals a couple years ago in Long Beach as well, just because Josh wasn't around. Josh and Brooks weren't around. But yeah, it's it's great. It's cool that he that he still comes out of retirement, I guess you could say, and plays these shows with the Vandals. And I don't know, man. I, I like Steve-O a lot, and he seems like a cool dude. And, and I follow both Josh Freeze and Steve-O, and they're always like hanging out in Palm Springs. Because I think, because I think, Damn. pretty sure Josh Freeze has a house out there too. Yeah, because Palm Springs is so, amazing. It's really not. I, I love Palm Springs. Springs. It's amazing. Why Springs. do you hate Palm Springs? The only good thing about Palm Springs is the gondola up up to you know San Francisco. <laughs> You're crazy. I, There's so many good Palm things Springs. about Palm Springs. I do not like it at all. What, name I, name two reasons just, why you don't like Palm it's Springs. Fucking hot as hell. It's ugly. It's hot I as hell. Fucking Southern California. Hey, everywhere. I know. I know. So it's hot, it's ugly, there's nothing to look at unless you take the gondola up. Um, what do you look the, at? Do you go to I don't, the I don't, beach? How often do you go I don't to the really beach? Like, like I said, I don't really like casinos. I don't really like gambling. It's not really my thing. The bars and restaurants out there, I've never really been impressed by any of them. You're crazy. Now you're just lying, okay? Now I you, don't now like golfing. Lying I'm not a you golfer. Mean, you haven't been to enough bars and restaurants to even like Maybe I make, that, make that claim. Oh, that might be true. No, you're right. You're, you might be totally right. You but are, from what you I've been are to, so I just, misinformed. It's a, that's I want to barf. It disgusts me. I just I've never been out. I mean, I've had fun in Palm Springs because of my friends, 
but the city itself has never really done anything for me. I just don't. It's okay. It's nothing. I just don't see that. Fantastic place. It's getting kind of shitty. It's getting much like Vegas. I don't. I mean, you go there way more often than I ever have, but I don't know. Palm Springs is the bee's knees, man. That's why I want to retire in Palm Springs. (laughs) From desert to desert. Yes. (sighs) All right, man. Pain for pleasure. What else we got? I don't know. Or do you want to wrap it up? What do you want to do? Yeah, whatever you want to do, we can wrap it up. It's up to you. I, mean, I got, I got pod, notes. Man. I got notes on everything. So, I mean, we, we can get into another song. What, what do you got? What do you got? What do you want to do? Like oh, wait, well, let's days. get it. Let's get into the. Let's get a little bit more technical again. Um, let's get into Tom Lord Alch, right? Yeah. Or do you want to? Do you want to get into the technical part of it more? Sure, because I don't. I again, still, I think like. I don't understand. I understand like producers, right? I, I get it. I understand yeah. why a band would want to hire a producer. I don't understand why a band would care to also hire mixers, engineers, all these other people. I just feel like it's more hands that are changing your music. And especially after reading this interview where he said, this guy, Tom, Lord Alge, Al- Alge. how do you say his name? I'd say Alge. Alge, Lord, Lord Alge. Mm-hmm. After he said that he would he would sit down with the band, take their input, and then like leave and listen to their music and then do his thing without the band there. I just I just I, it's just it's bizarre to me. I just don't understand why any band would want that to happen. So I mean, my understanding of it all, I mean, you have the band who writes the songs. Sometimes they involve their producer in the writing of the songs, or they have outside writers. Who knows? It depends on the band. You know, Blink had like twenty four writers on the last album. Oh shit. Um, then you have your engineer who runs the board. He does all of the, the technical part of it, all the software, all that stuff. That's your pretty much your engineer. You have your producer who gets the best out of the musician or out of the songwriter, whoever it is, you know, they, they get the best out of the band, you know, with the songwriting, with the lyrics, whatever, however involved they are with the band. It just depends on the producer. And not only that, the producer's there to do the mic placements, to do, to get the tone of, of whatever you're trying to do, the tone of the guitars, bass, whatever instrument you're using, you know, the producer's there to, to do that to me the mixer is the one who who's there after the fact you know they they have all every all the tone everything's already there they're there to to make sure it all kind of meshes together as as like like as a a pleasable sound you know what i mean like they're there to balance everything out Does that make sense i, I mean every I which way through compression whatever you want you know I get it and then the the person who masters the record is the one who makes sure the sound matches or who to my to the best of my knowledge the person who masters the record is the one who makes sure the entire record is pretty much at the same volume so they're pretty much just like perfecting what the mixer did by making it all the same kind of like volume in a way or kind of loudness i guess the best way to put it that's to the best of, of my knowledge when you think of bands recording like mixtapes or demos or whatever it is it's generally them going into the studio they record something and then while one one band member is recording their part the other band members are sitting next to one person that does all of that right because that's what sometimes low budget things are you go to like the riff house and it's just one guy Sitting at the yeah. board, and he has all of these things, and the to band an extent, sits there yeah. next. No, that's exactly what it is. Like I, I've seen it happening, 
And that's what yeah. they do is they sit there next to one guy and they put their own input in. And so like where, where along the lines does that disappear into now we need five guys. We need as much people mixing our album as we have in our band. Because and that's the part I don't, I don't agree with. I don't like it. There's just too many hands in the honey pot that don't need to be there. Well, I think when it comes to like mix the person who mixes the record, they're the ones who have the ear of like what to them. I mean, cause all of it is obviously subjective and with the mixer, with certain mixers, they have certain tones. They have certain ways of mixing the records to be pleasable to their own ears. And then if you like that, that's why people pick Tom Lord Alge, Alge as their mixer, because they like the way that certain records sound. They like the way Enema of the State, Take Off Pants and Jacket, all that kind of stuff. They like the way that sounds. They say, okay, let's bring in that guy to mix the record. Let's get, let's bring Jerry Finn in to produce it because he knows how to get the tones. But they Tom, like money, and they know these people know how to make money. But what I'm, but I, this is that's just one example. It could be money. It could be for any other reason. You know, it's like Steve Albini. He's a famous producer, famous mixer, but his his mixing style and production is different you know some people like his production more than they like his mixes like if you go back and listen to nirvana's in utero if you listen to that album there's there's the the mix that was released to everybody else but then you listen to the steve albini mix of it because steve albini produced the record but he also mixed it but then some somewhere down the line they didn't like his mix of it so they hired somebody else to mix it so it kind of goes along with what you're saying too you know you have more hands in the pot to kind of decide what you want, but that's to the artist's discretion. You know, the, the artist says, I want, I don't like the way this sounds. Let's bring in somebody else to kind of figure out because, I, because the artist can't do it themselves. The artists don't know how to mix something. They don't know how to, how to work all the compressors and work all that, that software or hardware. So they bring somebody else in to do it. And if they like it, then they like it. If not, then they don't, you know, again, I that's don't, kind of I what don't, it comes I don't know like the technical aspects of this, of this facet of the music industry, but I feel like all these things we're talking about are things that should have been brought to my attention beforehand. When artists go into the studio, they say, we want this sound. Here's the band that we are. Here's what we want. If you have suggestions, we'll take them. But here's the, here's the sound we're trying to achieve. This whole like mixer, master, engineer thing, that sounds like something that like record companies invented to try and convince the artist that what they want is not what's best for them. And that irritates me. Yes or no. But then you hear bands like, like say Thrice. I know you're not a big fan of Thrice, but Tepe, the guitar player, took it upon himself to not only be in the band, write the music, but he also took it upon himself to produce, engineer, and mix it. And he said it was exhausting and he said he would never do it again. And he's gone back and said, I wish I would have had somebody help me. Or I wish I, I would have had somebody there to do this, this, and that. Because it's a lot of work. Because also, if you think about it, if you fuss over so much of one thing, is that really going to be the best, the best end result? You know, like if, if you if you've gone in there, write the music, recorded it, produced it, engineered it, and then you go to mix it, and you think, oh, you know, I I think this sounds good, but then you go back like two days later, and you're like, well, that sounds like shit. What was I thinking? You tend to second guess yourself a lot. So it's kind of good to bring in fresh ears or fresh people to come in and think, say, you know. I don't know about that, man. Like that might not be very good. It's essentially having like an extended band member, but not having them be in the band because they kind of know what's best. They kind of know what sounds the best sonically. That's kind of why you have them. What do you mean they know what sounds best? Who knows what sounds best? Obviously it's subjective, but if the artist and the mixer or the artist and the producer 
mesh well and they, they understand what each other want, that could be a beautiful thing. I mean, you see it with so many records. But the you band is the there Beatles. to do one thing. The band is there to make music. The producer is there to make money. Yeah. The, produ- the producer is not going to get paid not- if the band doesn't make any fucking money. So the producer is there to make money. Well, no, no, no. The, the, produce, the, producer, no the producer will get paid up front by the label. Because the the band the, the band's given X the, amount the, of dollars from the, the label. The label's not going to pay the producer of fucking I don't know the bomb pops as he would pay the fucking the next I don't know Bon Jovi album. There's going to be a difference in, in in money there. So the producer's going to want to do whatever he can to make the bomb pops the next Bon Jovi. I this is the two fucking artists that popped in my head. I don't know why, but the producer's going to do whatever like he can to example. make. To, no, it's not a horrible. It's, it's a no-name band into a, a fucking institution. The producer, the producer, and everybody is, is going to do whatever they can to make the Bomb Pops become as big, as timeless as Bon Jovi is. That way, the next album Bon Jovi does, he's going to hire this producer and he's going to get paid triple what he did the first time. The producer's main job is to make money. Why do you want no, somebody the, on your team like that? Because because some artists, not all artists, but some artists, they like to have an outside source. They like somebody there to push them. They like to be, you know, called out on their shit. You know, it's like, like for example, like Metallica, as much as I don't like the Black Album, as much as I know you don't like the Black Album, they brought Bob Rock in because they wanted his his sound. They wanted his tone of what they he was doing like with Motley Crue and stuff in the 80s because they liked that. That was the style that they they wanted to to capture in that their new style of music so they brought bob rock in instead of bringing back ross moosen who did injustice for all you know it's because they want a different they want different ears they want different you know input you know what i mean because everybody wants to be liked in the end everybody wants to be liked no matter who you are of course so that's That's what we strive for as human beings Exactly. So unless you do literally everything yourself, you want to be like, so that's why you bring in outside ears to do that. That That's kind of where, well, that's not really that the producer does a lot more than just that. But, you know, that's kind of where the mixer comes in because you want to you want to mesh well with your the guy who's mixing your record and kind of who masters it as well. But a lot of mixers also master the record. So that happens as well. But so it's but a little like bit more just said. They, complicated. Somebody hired somebody hired Bob Rock because they liked what he had previously done with another band. But not only that, but, but a mixing a record. That other, that other band should have like it's just it goes back and back and back and back and back and back. That other band should never have hired this. The other band should have fucking done it themselves. Now you're now you're getting somebody else's input on your music. So it's not even like your music anymore. Think of it this way. Okay, look look at yourself. Okay, so you you know how to play the guitar. You can write a song because you've done it, but do you know how to record? Do you know how to record? Do you know how to set up the mics to get a good sound, to get a good tone? You don't know how to do that. Do you know how? No, but I wouldn't hire five you know how, guys but do you, to do it for me. But do you? For God's but sakes. do you know? But do you know? <laughs> a lot of people don't. No, but a lot of people don't. They hire one guy to produce, engineer, and mix it. You know, it, it happens. It's not always the case where you get four or five different dudes to do it. So it's like you don't know how to you don't know how to run a board, you don't know how to do mic placements, you don't know how to get certain tones, you don't know how to use the equipment to mix a record, whether it be analog or digital. You don't know how to do that. You don't know how to do any of it. So therefore you have to hire somebody to do it. I need so five guys everybody to do this ha- for me? Sometimes you have to, yeah. I need a I need a full court basketball team to do to do my work for me. <laughs> hey man, what? it's a team. It's a team. Right? 
it, that's like, that's like you, buying a new car and then somebody's like, "Hey, dude!" Okay, that okay. Like his bumper sticker that's right like, in the okay, back. Okay, look at look at it. Look at it for the, look at it this way. Say your it's band is five members. It's all tainted. Right? Say well, no. Say your band is five members. You guys all write the music. Then you have your producer, engineer, mixer, master. Who does it? You have four other dudes there. So look at it. Look at it in a basketball. You have five guys on the court. Then you have your coach staff. You have your your head coach. You have your two, three assistant coaches. Then you have the rest of your team. You have it, everything's a team effort. So it's the same idea. It's just is one it is raining? more of an art form. Yeah, it's raining really hard right now. Oh. Yeah, but no, yeah I, but, I agree. But so that's what it is. So in basketball, you I have the know, players man. and you have the coach. The bench players, they're not they're they're, they're not mixer. They're they're players. They're just not playing the, at that time. Yeah. Okay. So so look at it. This your your starting five in basketball are your band. You know your singer, two guitarists, bass player, drummer. The your bench are your strings, your banjo player, the guys who are just there for studio purposes. Then you have your head coach, your producer. You have your assistant coach, your engineer, your other assistant coach. This is the guys who do shit in basketball. Get out of here. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Everybody has a role. That's the who's idea. He, who's he Everybody has a role. When, when, when Phil Jackson, Jeff, you're ladies. getting into you're, you're getting into stupid spe- specifics right now. But you no, you're, you understand the saying. analogy, there right? Fucking, there are too many fucking hands. Now your because music is it's not actually team. your music. It's like eighty percent your music and twenty percent five can, other dudes. Okay, so then so then every and that's band why producers you've, win Grammys. So then every band you've ever listened to, minus maybe like a few, every band you can discredit for that. Like yes. you don't like any bands now because I don't, of that. I don't like them. I'm just saying I don't like that that concept of now we're a band. Now but that's we're a major how music label. is written. That's how music to, is made. Now we have you don't to have to get five guys. That's the but standard. See, that's what everybody does now. That's what everybody's. It's been because doing. they want to. That is. That's called. That's artistic. They want freedom. to because they want to make money. That's artistic freedom. Regardless, it's artistic freedom. That's what it is. I don't hate Dude, them for it. Dude, it's raining so like, fucking hard. I don't dislike them for it, but I can discredit them a little bit for it. Absolutely. I mean, you can, but I mean, it what's makes the your point? music a little disingenuous. Hmm. Not necessarily. Because it's not one hundred percent their music. Dude, it's it's so much more complex than than you're making it out to be. You're looking at it so black I'm just and white. Trying to simplify it. You really are. Because it is black and, and by white. By making These it very are not black in the and white, band, and now they're making music. It doesn't matter. Some forty one's manager co wrote most of the producing, albums we just did. It's like you go into a movie, you you expect the actors to write John it, Feldman you expect the actors co writes most of the music he now produces. How do you how can you not discredit this? You discredit him all the time. I do because he doesn't write good music anymore. I don't like the way he doesn't writes music. If you, if you so like that's why I discredit not. him. It's popular. It's making money. Isn't that what a producer? Yeah, but I don't do? like it. That Make that's why popular? I don't like it because I just don't like it. I don't like his songwriting anymore. I don't like the way he pushes his songwriting into other bands. Some producers don't do that. For example, Ross Robinson. He brings things out of people. He doesn't push himself onto people. He knows how to bring things out of people that most producers don't. You know, it's it's what it comes down to. It's well, just producers are bad. Like, why 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 did why exactly? Is it up to it's him? art. Why is art is subjective. One hundred percent. It's not his decision. The band goes to Ross Robinson. The band goes to John because Feldman. Because they feel they have to. Because no, because they, they, they the want it. No, it's because they want they want something specific that maybe they don't feel they could do themselves. No, they want to make money, and they go to Ross Robinson. They go to Rick Rubin. They go to these guys that they know is going to make them money. I don't know, man. You never know. And good or bad, these guys are like institutions in the producer world. So no matter what they touch, is going to turn to gold. Not with Ross Robinson. Not with Ross. Well, just saying. I'm just saying too. Too man. many hands in the honey pot, bro. Too many hands in the honey pot. I think you're being crazy. That's Not. what it is. You are. 
100%. You're being way too critical. Because there's a difference between a, like a co-songwriter and somebody who's producing or engineering or mixing an album. Those are wildly different things. Yeah. Very different things. Yeah. Because yeah, you're hiring yeah. somebody to do something that you cannot do yourself. Like co-write a song? No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what it is. You right? know what I'm saying. You're just arguing with me. That's now. why some 41 you know exactly hired. What I'm that's saying. why some 41 and All Killer No Filler hired their manager to co-write most of that album. But see, that's different. A manager writing something is not the same as somebody producing or engineering or mixing or mastering. It's a it's a different it's a different. Tell me he's not going to get. It's no a different set what, of skills. It's a different pay, set of skills. His salary is going to be the exact same had he not co-written that entire album. It's a different set of skills, Jeff. Exactly. You can't compare those things. It's a different set of skills. His paycheck is going to be bigger now that he's co-written Fat Lip. Every time Fat Lip plays, he's going to get a little kickback. Was well, yeah, now, the co-writer he, is, yeah. Had he just been the manager? Because, because, because then you're bringing in publishing rights. Publishing rights is entirely different. Publishing Everybody's rights are here very money, different. Kid. Everybody's out here to make money. I'm just saying. It's different. It's a different set of skills. You cannot compare those two. It's you crazy. Can't. What do you mean you can't? You can, of course you can't. I mean, you obviously did. you can compare anything. You Obviously you can compare anything because anybody can do whatever they want because, you know, it's your life and you never know. Like Bonjour Anything can happen. Yeah. It's my life. It's now or All never. All I'm saying is that sometimes there's just too many hands in the honeypot. I just don't, I, I just don't like how we've accepted that every group, every big label group needs to have a producer, needs to have an engineer, needs to have a master, needs to have a mixer. But we've accepted it from the beginning things. of recorded music. We've accepted it no, from the beginning it. of the recording. Dude. No, we have insane. not. Get out of here. Get the fuck out of here. What are you talking about? No, we have not. Dude. Since the Many recording of music. people in the 40s and the 50s that were, did multiple They didn't jobs. record themselves. No, they didn't record, record themselves. But there was not five people involved in the process. It was one guy. Maybe two guys that would do all, all the work of five regardless, guys now. Regardless. Too many hands in the pot. I agree. Even back then, one, it was too one many guy hands could be one too many. Having one guy help you out it could be one too many. One person I, to- too many. I totally agree. I would love to hear just so your entire logic is ridiculous. Stuff. How is it ridiculous? I'm just saying that I don't. I I would love to hear something where it was completely self-contained and consistently album after album after album after album it was completely self-contained, self-released, self-produced, self-mastered, self-mixed, and self-engineered. It's happened. We that have would, a friend. That would truly be. We have a friend who's done be, that. That would truly be. 100%. We have a friend who's done that. You know that, right? We have a friend who's done this. Yeah, but he's not major label. And that's what we're kind of talking about. It doesn't about matter, here. but he's done it. Uh, okay, so then we've done it too. Then oh, actually, we didn't. We, we, we haven't done it. Actually, we have done it with our Niddle Shins. That was all us. We recorded that. <laughs> we did. You're right. Yeah. <sighs> okay, anyway, let's bring this back around. This got way. I'm just saying, just because it's the normal, Tyler, doesn't mean you need to accept it, okay? I agree. Just because it's the norm doesn't mean you need to accept it, all right? Hey, man, you know me. I, I don't like, I don't like says, to be, be question everything. I'm with you 100% on that. I feel like you, all right. you need like more WWMD. What would Mulder do? <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> That's awful. Anyway, okay. All killer, no filler. Let's wrap this up, man. We, we've been going at it for a long, long while now. So what do we got? Um, final thoughts and let's read it. What do you got? You want me to go first? Go first. I go first. I go first. Okay. All Killer No Filler, fantastic album. My first listen through when I went from Half Hour Power and then to this one, 
I almost ranked this lower in my list just because I was so in love with Half Hour of Power. But then the more I got into All Killer No Feel, I, I realized there are a lot of things here that are great, that are fantastic, that are timeless. And um, I think this, I think most of these songs here will live on like forever until the, until the end of man, which could be pretty damn soon. So they will live on forever. It could be. Yeah. And um, I dude, like, it's just, they're a fun band. They were a fun band. They're not anymore. They're not fun at all anymore, but they were a really, <laughs> really fun band. And I just, I think that I think a lot of, a lot of bands can, can just take note of that. Just why listen to music if you're not going to have fun? I mean, there's other outlets for music, but, or a lot of uh, other reasons to listen to music. But no, there's uh, no other reason to listen to music than to have fun. There's no, other, no reason other reason to, to do to anything to, than to have fun. True, uh, true. We're getting a little. We're getting Every, in too deep right now. That's what it is. Everything we do in life is just to have fun. That's it. If you're not having fun, then just stop doing it. <laughs> That's true. It's if a, you're at your job and you're not having fun, then stop going. Why are you? Why is your voice cracking? I don't know. I was getting to get that like passionate. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna uh, do two point seven five. All right, that's high. That's high, higher than yeah. I thought for you. Yeah. Going into this, I thought you were gonna give it a solid two, and that's it. No that's way. Fat Lip alone is gonna give it at least a two point two five. Oh, you're crazy. Crazy for this one, Rick. Um. <laughs> Yeah, final thoughts for me, you know, nostalgia, it's all there, man. Nostalgia's all there. Songwriting is is there too. I think it's it's some of the most solid pop punk out there. Up there with the pop punk from, you know, Enema of the State and and all and I'd say Dookie as well, you know, the pop punk of Dookie. Um, Dookie's not pop punk, that's fine. It's there, but it is. Uh so I'm gonna have to give this one a two point seven five as well. I can't give it a perfect. It's not a perfect. But no, it's not a perfect. It's it's close. So a 2.75, uh, three-point rating system, three is a perfect album, two is a good album, one's a bad album, but listen to it once, zero is hot trash. So there you go. That's it, man. Damn. We just did. We just, we just really got into the, uh, the Sum 41 album, All Killer, No Filler, and that was a wild ride. There was a lot of fighting, ride. some burps, some what? Were there burps? I, I've I've been kind of gassy, but it wasn't anything super loud, not like it used to be. Mm. But, we got uh, yelled but yeah. at for it, so we can't do. We it did, yeah, that's true. Uh, so yeah, that's it. That's all for Ask Night Radio. I don't know what we're doing next week, but I had a good time this week on this this episode of the pod. It was a fun one. Some good arguments, some good fighting. But go to iTunes, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Ask Night Radio. Once again, I'm Tyler. Out there in the ether, hundreds of miles away is Jeff. And um, I don't know, man. What else, what else you got? You got anything else to say? No, I'm just I'm just jamming to the oldies right here. Whoa, that was loud. That was so. That's it. That's all. On uh, guitar and vocals, Jason Cohn, McCallison, McCallison. like the easiest on one bass. to do. I know, <laughs> <laughs> and it's the band's most successful album, selling well, well, fuck, 
selling well <laughs> over. <laughs> well, eh? Selling well over two. 